welcome to episode five of Nimbus Magnifica. Tonight we are going to discuss the book A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. A vicious 15-year-old droog is the central character of this 1963 classic, whose stark terror was captured in Stanley Kubrick's magnificent film of the same title. In Anthony Burgess's nightmare version of the future, where criminals take over after dark, the story is told by the central character, Alex, who talks in a brutal invented slang that brilliantly renders his and his friend's social pathology. A Clockwork Orange is a frightening fable about good and evil and the meaning of human freedom. When the state undertakes to reform Alex to redeem him, the novel asks, at what cost? Hello, welcome to Nimbus Magnifica. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-hosts. This is Tiffany. I'm Gabby. And we have a special guest. Hooray! Yay! Woo! I'm Angela. Angela! What up? What up? Tell, tell, tell us about your podcast that you do that we were talking a little bit about before the show. So that you oh. could pretend to cross-pollinate. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how many people <laughs> listen to us, but maybe... <laughs> <laughs> yes, advertising is always good. Um, I am one of the co-hosts on the Red Dwarf intro cast. We watch the show Red Dwarf, a British sci-fi comedy show, and we are almost done. We have Yay! one more season, but I'm a newbie on there, and we you know, talk about each episode, all that cool stuff. I also host a Sherlock Holmes story podcast called Through the Pages of Sherlock Holmes, where we read every story in the Sherlock Holmes canon, and we have one newbie, and the rest of us are oldies, I guess. <laughs> we, we have read no, them, so. experienced and wiser is yes. what you're trying to say. Is that's Yes. <laughs> so yes, check us out. Uh, Red Dwarf Introcast and Through the Pages of Sherlock Holmes because I apparently can't make a short podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> See, I-, I limited myself when making this. I was like, I must be able to finish- fit the entire name into... The 15 characters allotted by Twitter. That was like my, <laughs> that was that was like what I told myself. I will do this. <laughs> so of course I used every character I could. We're at literally 15 characters. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so that's the way to go, right? Because originally I, what, oh, I said I wanted like dragons on a starship, but that was way too long. I st- which is why our icon is a dragon on a spaceship. If you see, if you if you go to our Twitter, because because that's what I wanted it to be. Hey, so I like, like your icon. Thank you, thank you. Well, we have to we have to uh, 
thank Julia, who was on the show, who for making that for us, which is awesome. So here we are. First time in a month or month and ish. How yeah, was everyone's? Yeah. Yeah. Forever. Tiffany, how was your Thanksgiving? It was excellent and quiet and I didn't cook anything and I drank a lot of wine and watched a lot of television. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Sounds yeah. like a good time. Yeah. What kind of wine did you drink? We, I feel like we should at least throw in one thing. I'm a big fan of Stella Rosa, and they have lots of different uh, varieties of thereof, and you'll find them at your local liquor store, I'm sure, or wine shop or whatever, for around about $14 a bottle. Seems legit. And, and what about you, Gabby? Any exciting dishes from Thanksgiving? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I drove through a snowstorm to go to Buffalo. And where I spent Thanksgiving with uh, the Buffalo contingent of my family. And we actually had some nice Argentinian wine without, without our Thanksgiving. Actually, with our Thanksgiving pre-gaming while we were uh, waiting for the turkey to be done. So, good times, good times. I fell and down then... some stairs. Oh, oh, oh no, are you okay? Well. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I was helping decorate a Christmas tree. Um, and I was standing at the top of the at the top of the stairway to try to put ornaments on the top, and I went to walk down the stairs and went to uh, step over a dog that was on the stairs, and I fell on my booty and slid all the way down. Ouch! So, Ouch. Some orange Argentinian wine was had, and it's like medicine. So there you go. Oh, good. So, so you're pretty much like healed, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm, yeah. Yes, I'm fine now. <laughs> Good, good. And then any exciting Thanksgiving things to share with us, Angie? I visited my family and being married, you end up having two families and trying to balance between <laughs> the two. And my mom has not been in the greatest of health. So I was like making the turkey and I was making the sweet potatoes and she was there reminding me to do things like use hot pads and I was like, safety yes, first. I <laughs> so it, it was it was actually a nice time. It was a nicer time at my folks because it was just, you know, me and my parents. And over at my husband's place, it was two and four year old nieces who were running around and everyone I love to see everyone, but everyone was loud. <laughs> it was nice to retreat to the quiet. So then you got you got a tale of two Thanksgivings, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I believe that one. For myself, I made I tried to be impressive with my cooking and I made chocolate licorice cheesecake. Ooh. Which was okay, so I brought that into work because I was curious how it was gonna how people if people would like it and the people at work they seemed to like it. Emily enjoyed it. Shout out to Emily. She's like, I, I want to make an Emily shout out every single time we do an episode. That's that's a thing now. And um, Chris enjoyed it. And then Tim said he didn't like licorice, but he still thought it was pretty good. So I was like, okay, well, this is this is pretty general, generally good reviews. So then I made it for then I made it again for Thanksgiving, just like two weeks after that, because that was like a test run. Mm-hmm. And my family was like, licorice and chocolate, Ed. I'm like I think I, I'm like I err I err on the side of taking chances. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thanksgiving is not about taking chances. It's about eating the same thing yeah, but, every single year. I mean, over. I mean, there was there was pecan, there was pumpkin, there was apple pie, there was turkey, there was 
a bazillion things. But I was like, well, how about I try to do something a little different? Just just a little different. Like, yeah. And I then, appreciate your risk taking. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you appreciate that. <laughs> Honestly, for real. So the moment, the moment you've all been waiting for. <laughs> try try to hold yourself back. So this was originally going to be the January book, but because we this the November show got put back to December, and then December show got put back to January. So this is now the February book pick. <laughs> are, are you are you are you ready for these results? Yay! Yay! Okay, good. Okay, The Postman by David Brin. Dinner is a Deviant's Palace by Tim Powers and Blood Music by Greg Beer collectively had how much is that? Uh, 30% of the votes. <laughs> so okay. they, all, they all lost. As we know, <laughs> as we know, it was coming down to Neuromancer and Ender's Game. And by a difference of 31% to 38%, Neuromancer came out on top. Oh wow. wow! I could have sworn I we were going to be reading it. Oh. <laughs> so, so Neuromancer is going to be our viewers' choice February book pick. So, okay. possibly okay. due in part to RS's RS. campaigning. <laughs> RS's campaigning last episode, possibly True. in part. Did Did you vote in the poll at all, Angie? Did you have any? Did you have any preference? I did I can't remember what I voted for. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So yay! So yeah, that's gonna be our that's gonna be our February book book. And then wait, so uh, what's our January book pick? <laughs> our, Jan- our January is Shira's pick, who I hope is recovering well from her car accident a year and half of uh, a year and a half, a month and a half ago. <laughs> a month and a half ago. No, I I hope she's doing well. I've been trying to contact her, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, but she picked Love minus eighty. Which is Love on this, okay. which is on the sidebar of Nimbus Magnif- Magnifica's website. If you want to check that out, so so that's gonna be exciting. Um, and okay. and I talked to Jen of Gleeful Podcast Fame, and she's she agreed to be our guest that episode. So yay! Yay! Fabulous! So Jen. So then yeah, we're we're, we're gonna we're hopefully gonna. Tentatively, we're talking about January 19th for that episode. And uh, I haven't talked to any of you guys about that, but I was talking to Jen about that. <laughs> I talked to Jen about that, and Jen was okay with that, and I'm okay with that. So we're we're in the right direction. <laughs> okay. Sure. We'll, we'll talk we'll talk after the show. But let's <laughs> let's focus on the book at hand. Clockwork Orange. First, let's just talk for a second. Gabby, why yes. did you pick this book? A couple of reasons. It was the it was the first book that popped into my head that I wanted to reread in the sci-fi genre. And the reason why I ever read it in the first place was not necessarily because I saw the movie, which I, oddly enough, I adore the movie, but I took Russian for four years. So what I thought, like, through junior, I'm in, starting in junior high, going into high school. So what had always kind of intrigued me about the book was how certain Russian words were integrated and that was just how the main character Alex talked and it was really kind of cool to me to 
could to kind of read along with that, and it was it was kind of and again I like the movie, and I wanted to reread it, but instead of rereading it, I've actually cheated and I listened to the audiobook, which was fantastic. Fantastic. Not cheating. Not cheating. That isn't cheating. That isn't cheating. It's consuming the media <laughs> in a way that's most convenient for you. And I, yeah. I say that I say that as a fellow audiobooker. So uh, I do <laughs> so. have to say that the audiobook was fantastic. Um the I I need to go back, but the gentleman that was reading the book was he was great. He would change his voice with different inflection and and, and change the accents and whatnot. It was fantastic absolutely fantastic super entertaining and i remembered things that i didn't recall from watching the movie which is pretty dead on and reading the book two times in um, high school when i read it very cool why don't we start with tiffany what was your what were your thoughts on the book overall so first of all my husband has been reading along with us, albeit at a slightly slower pace. Um, he's, I think, about halfway through Princess of Mars right now. Um, <laughs> but he said that he's seen the movie Clockery Orange, and he had absolutely zero interest in reading the book. So he will not be joining us on this uh, on this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I felt like the book was a little bit difficult to get into in the first couple of pages because I had absolutely not one clue what they were talking about. And I said, what? I don't understand the words that are coming out of their mouths. But Wikipedia has a very handy clockwork orange appendix where you could look up the words and then it became so much easier. So much easier. And it was relatively a relatively short book. So that was helpful as well. And I really felt like I felt like the book was trying to delve into some very deep, like, philosophical uh, ideas about choice and things like that. It was, like, trying to pull me. It's like, you need to believe, you need to, you need to feel this. Eh, maybe, not really. I mean, I think it's because the main character was kind of a jerk. So I really... Kind of. Okay. <laughs> that, that, okay, that, I was... Okay, so he was a, a really big asshole, <laughs> and I could not care any less about what happened to him. At the end, I'm kind of like, meh, okay. So I think if the character had been, a, I think, maybe slightly more sympathetic than at the point in time in which his sort of choices about how he were to act or perceive things would have mattered more to me, but I kind of was like, that's what you get, because you're an asshole. He didn't feel bad. What did he feel I, I felt bad. I felt bad. No, I felt bad when he came home until he says, Well, I guess that I you won't have to worry about seeing me again, so let this weigh on your conscience or some, something like that. And I was like, see, no. I you, you <laughs> almost had me until you had to go be an asshole again. It wasn't that he was really feeling hurt, it was that he wanted his parents to feel bad. Mm-hmm. But no. See, okay. I had a totally different reaction to this book. I was n- when Gabby picked this, I was like, I am not looking forward to this book. I was like, <laughs> I was like, all I knew about a Clockwork Orange was that they were like, some guy was made to watch someone like rape someone right. else. Like that's that's what I know about Clockwork Orange and like right. the Halloween costume that I've seen all like like throughout my years at Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I have no interest in reading this whatsoever. But of course, since you picked it and you, <laughs> well, I was gonna say you suffered. I mean, you not suffered. You went through <laughs> Six Gun Terra, but you didn't entirely do that either. But, <laughs> but I did. But what's like, like literally, like I was hooked. Like page, like well, I listened to audiobook. Like 
Like <laughs> minute one, minute <laughs> one, minute, minute one. It was, it was fantastic. I was like blown away. I was like, why have I never read this? This is so good. And then when Gabby sent, he's when I sent an email asking about the date for the for, for the recording, she's like. She's like, I'm sorry if you don't understand the language, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I was, and in my head, I was thinking my grandmother's Polish and she used a few of these words. So like for me, the transition, like I was like, what, what slang? Like I already knew, like if I didn't know, there was a few I didn't know, but I got within context what it meant after a while. So it mm-hmm. didn't like nothing, like I was like absorbed in its world. It was fantastic. Like amazing. And uh, what what thoughts do you have on this, Angie? Because you asked to come on this episode, so you must you must like it, right? Yes. Well, I mean, I had read it. Like, okay, I watched the movie a while back. Get into these. I want to watch a really important and many referenced film, you know, occasionally. So I watched that, and it was it was good and hard to get through at the same time. I never want to watch it again, like ever. I took to reading these free ebooks on my phone, like while I was standing in line and all that stuff. And I had a Clockwork Orange on there, and I was like, "Well, I might try to read this. Surely it can't be as bad as the movie." And you know, it was as bad as the movie. But I guess I appreciated it more as a book because. I felt like sometimes the movie was trying to make Alex into a bit more of a hero character, and the book definitely kept him as an asshole. (laughs) 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 And made no apologies for it. I mean, I don't know. I I, I can't disagree that he was an asshole, because of course he was an asshole. But I sympathize with him. Like, uh, it appears to me more than you guys. So... No, I get it. It's just I find it really difficult to sympathize with someone who raped and beat up that many people and felt absolutely no remorse. But it wasn't even like the fact that he... You know, sometimes people act in a certain way because they have certain mental challenges or they were brought up in a certain way, and I don't feel like he had any of that. He was just, at his core, to me, a horrible human being. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like... I mean, yeah, okay, Alex is obviously the, you know, the main the main character in the book. He's the, he is, he is the humble narrator. Yeah. However, that's not what I feel like the book is about. He's a tool. He is a vehicle to learn that right or wrong... It's, I mean, I mean, regardless if somebody's an asshole or they're an angel, getting rid of, you know, um, not allowing somebody to exhibit free will is bad. That's basically the point of it to me. Ah, so you're saying that even the most horrible of human beings should have the ability to make their own choices. Correct. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. And I do like how... Anthony Burgess didn't try to cop out by Mm -hmm. saying, I don't know, sort of like 1984 when, you know, all of those people are under the oppressive government, but, you know, the main character is generally a nice person, and so it's more black and white. Here, you've got a really horrible, awful person 
that's having bad things done to him, and you don't really like the bad things done to him. So yeah, it's not a black and white issue, which is really nice. Let me ask you this, and the forward to my particular copy of the book, it talks about, it had a letter from the author saying mm-hmm. that when the book was originally released in the United States, it was missing the very last chapter because mm-hmm. of reasons and things like that. Do you feel, because what I did when I got to the end of what would have been chapter six, I stopped reading the book for a little bit to take a uh, inventory of my thoughts and feelings. Um, <laughs> but do you think that that last chapter made a difference in overall how you perceived the story? What What's funny is I've only ever, well, the, uh, the book as it was released in the United States is what the movie is based off of. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the previous times I've read the book, I've only read the American version. When I got the when I got the audiobook, it had the additional chapter, but because I didn't know if anyone else was going to be reading it, that additional chapter, I just stopped it right there. You but stopped I, it? I stopped Why? it. I didn't want to know. Basically to me that would be like when you watch a movie and then you watch a movie with an alternative ending. Because that's what to me it would be like having like if I if I had known how it ended, like the other way, like not ending it where I'm used to ending it. From what I from what I understand, because they were explaining it at the beginning of the audiobook before he started mm-hmm. reading it, is that it changes kind of the moral of the story. It's or it just changes does. changes something about it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, it does. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask about this last chapter debate. I and mean, you can talk it, about the last chapter it, all day it, long. It, it, I, just didn't, I just chose not to read it or listen to see, it. See, to me, I, like, really sympathized from the beginning because he was, he was like, referring to us as, like, my brother. And I was like, oh, he's, like, 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 like yeah, he's, like, he's, he's, like, doing these evil things. But he's, he's on our side. He's on our he's side. He's manipulating you. He's very polite. Yeah, he was, but he's, like, he's a like, sociopath. He's a polite sociopath. Sociopaths are polite. Well, I, okay, well, that's good. Good for them. Good for them. Yay, politeness. Yay, sociopath. I don't know. I just, I, I just, like, I don't know. I mean, he was telling us, and I guess I'm kind of susceptible to telling versus showing. And he was, like, telling us that we were his friends. So I accepted that we were his friends. <laughs> I accept it. <laughs> okay. Ed was kicking back, having some milk plug. I know. I was like, like I was like and some chai. Yeah, oh God, he was like, we were dressed in the height of fashion, drinking chai, milky chai. Okay, can someone please tell me why they use the term horror show as a positive descriptor? Well, the it's word like, horror. It's like the word great. horror show. The word horror show means great it's russian huh. but the way but the way that it's spelled out the way it's spelled out yeah and then the way that it's pronounced horror show is just kind of like it's i, I don't know it. maybe it's a phonetic it's the closest okay. thing to it phonetically right. I, loved, I loved it i love the slang mm-hmm. the slang like the lens of the narrator made mm-hmm. the book for me like it, oh, yeah. the book the book was kind of well, I mean, I'm sure that's what mi- what makes it a classic. Without it, without the lens of that narrator, of Alex, it would have been 
I mean, just a bad, well, not a bad book, but not not the classic that it is today. It's I just, will it was say just so too, good. In the in the in the in the last chapter, he does run into somebody who makes a specific reference to his use of slang and how he talks. Mm-hmm. And for me, that particular instance really made having to slog through all of these things I had no idea they were talking about worth it because I then understood sort of how just the way he spoke made people alter people's perceptions of him as a person because he's a, you know, a two bit thug and that kind of thing. But even just the way that the words come out of his mouth, I thought, Oh, okay. You know, as someone was always almost making fun of the way that he talked and that's the way that he has spoken throughout this entire, you know, story. A lot of people say that the last chapter was like out of place, but for me, Mm -hmm. I felt like the last chapter was a part of, like, was a natural mm-hmm. progression of where he was going. Like, his re- realizing of remorse. Maybe right. because I believed I believed that he was always a good person. Like, I, I believe that from the beginning. Even though it didn't, like, I had no proof of it, except that he called me <laughs> brother. Besides he that. He was talking to you, like his BFF. I had no proof that he was actually a good person, but then when he actually, when he became a good person, I was like, I knew it all along. I believed in you. See, I just didn't feel like he deserved, like, it was like payoff he didn't deserve. Like, he spends 200 pages being an asshole, and then the last, like, 10 pages, I'm supposed to be like, oh, change of heart, I'm gonna settle down and, and get married and have a baby, and no, you don't get that from me. You don't get that from me, you haven't earned it. See, I felt like it was sort of saying, oh, yeah, rape and murder and stealing and all that stuff, that's just what teenagers do. You grow <laughs> out of it. And, and you laugh, but I see that very argument being used in rape cases. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, those football players who all gangbanged the 15-year-old who's killed herself since, then, oh, they're... They get good grades. They're just young and stupid. I'm like, no, no, shut you down. No. <laughs> wow. No. Okay. Um. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I, think I didn't mean to bring that. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, it's. Uh, I hadn't it's... approached the story from that angle of they're trying to say that you know no matter how bad you are or horrible you know there you have redeeming qualities and and you know kids will be kids. I hadn't thought of that. So I'm, I'm just, I'm processing. Mm-hmm. While we're here on the moral high ground discussion, we could just talk about, like, the big plot. Like, should a person, like, is a person who is evil be forced to always choose good? Or does that make them no longer a human? I, is that, I, I probably worded that terribly. But, like, choice and choice to do good and choice to do bad is part of what makes us human. Well, and taking that away, regardless how bad they are, makes them no longer a human. Right. Well, the way I like to look at, like, rehabilitation, the whole point of being rehabilitated is to, what, learn learn the error of your ways and genuinely embrace the right way to do things and live a better life. Mm-hmm. If you're being conditioned to do that where you haven't learned anything at all 
all you've learned is a self-preservation skill to change your ways so you don't throw up and feel like you want to die. Yeah. That's not the right thing. You're just being conditioned. You're not being rehabilitated. And I don't think that's particularly right. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's kind of sums it up right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and I think it is pretty bleak in this punishment system. Their two choices are either take away someone's freedom entirely and throw them in the system where they're just in these jails that are getting filled up and in these overcrowded places where they're turning the violence on each other. And the second option is get essentially lobotomized and have your free will taken away. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like we can just be done now. Okay, bye! <laughs> no, 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 no. What did you guys think about the author? Uh, not Anthony Burgess, but the Clockwork Orange author. Oh, the crazy guy? Yeah. I Okay, was he crazy? I was confused no. about that. No, no, don't, 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 don't gnaw me. Like, I was a little confused. <laughs> well, he was crazier in the movie. I think the oh. movie, like, made him into this crazy, gnashing teeth old man. <laughs> but, he, mean... but he was very, he was nice to Alex. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's what I. And then, and then later, when the government was like trying to say that the narrator, or, I mean, the author, the author of Clockworms was crazy, I was just like, uh, like who, like. Like, my inclination is to go with the narrator, not with the government, but maybe... <laughs> sure. Sure, I can understand that. Like, I was like, I was like, what, what's going on? Like, why, why are you shaking hands with the minister of, like, defense or something? Mm-hmm. Was, yes. Like, interior? I, uh, interior. You know, inferior. In, <laughs> interior. And then, oh, okay, this, this is a question that came up with me and Emily when I was discussing this book with her. I was like, dystopia, like, it, this, this book did not feel very sci-fi. Not that I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it did not feel very sci-fi. I know those glossies and we vidied things and right, right, right. <laughs> but, but it didn't, it, did, it didn't feel very sci-fi. So can you, still can listening you, to records. <laughs> <laughs> can 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 you can you defend its sci-fi-ness to us at all, Gabby? <laughs> they use a crazy scientific method to brainwash Alice. <laughs> but I mean it was just like watching videos though. It didn't feel With your yeah, I mean it was a version thing. There were drugs. There were drugs. drugs. There, there were drugs. there were drugs. Oh, there was can... drugs and there was food and I was also confused at the at the time frame of this, like, when was this supposed to have taken place? For some stupid reason, I feel like it's supposed to be the late 1980s. I don't know why I think that, but you got, but this was way written way before that. So I feel mm-hmm. like, because you know how everybody felt like 1999, we were in a flying cars and stuff. I mean, I feel like this was supposed to be like, and I 80s. was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's like I always, like I, I always try to remember. Like, how old is Alex? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Okay. At the start of the story. Yeah, and then by the last chapter that doesn't show up, he's twenty-one. Okay. Because I always found it incredibly unsettling, like the part when he goes to get the music and then brings the girls back to his room. I was like, oh my god, there are twelve. There are twelve. Yeah. And I'm like, oh wait a minute, but he's like, he's the kid too. 
okay, well, then it's less weird. But then in my head, I'm here, I'm seeing, I, I always see Alex, like, movie Alex, I'm like, dude, he's, like, in his 20s. That's yeah. That's up. <laughs> and notice they play around with the ages a lot in the movie. Yes. Do you, oh, oh, for someone who hasn't seen the movie, such as myself, do you recommend watching it after having read the book? Because I feel, oh God, like, I yes. feel really. Oh, yeah, I feel, absolutely. Because I'm concerned now, hearing what I'm hearing, that I'm going to hate Alex. And I, right now, I love Alex. No, if only and, to no, see I Malcolm McDowell's like, performance. He's amazing. Yes, that's the best thing he's ever done. Okay. Yeah, now it's weird when I watch Phineas and Ferb because <laughs> because he's the voice of Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and it's Kubrick, so but it's like it's Kubrick, but not it's not boring Kubrick. Oh my god! Wow. I mean, I watched a little bit of the movie, and I was just like, not. It did not catch me. I, I, there was like there was like a six minute like summary of the movie that was like like the best parts of the movie smashed together supposedly. No, it, it's like, gotta have build up. I was just like, like it eh. builds up momentum. Because I di- I didn't see it in the way that I'm seeing it. Like in my head, it was like way more, way more exciting. Or I don't know. I kept I kept imagining like this like barren, frozen, dystopian like city wasteland. In my like somewhere somewhere that's where I kind of thought it was, because it's like okay this is sci-fi and this is a dystopia so that's what makes it sci-fi. There's a scarcity of resources. It's like they're poor. This is like a thing, right? And it, like that's what that's what drove him to this is because his because his situation he was he was in a bad situation. Yeah, All those he babushkas. He. <laughs> Yeah, he lived in the slums, and basically it's like, when you watch the movie, it's like, oh, it's just, it's dirty London. Yeah. <laughs> it's dirty London. Oh, it's dirty London. Oh, it's dirty London. No, but I feel like the differences between the book and the movie for me is the book, I mean, the movie definitely, yeah, Alex is the hero, we're supposed to cheer for him when he can be all evil again and do stuff without getting sick, and it kind of sensationalized the mm-hmm. violence, whereas the book is like, okay, these are the things that I did. I'm a dick. This is bad. But hey, they took away my free mil- my free will, and that's not right. Where yeah. I feel like there's definitely okay. instead of sensationalized violence with the book, we have a lesson to learn. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's just the difference between visual and mm-hmm. like I think Kubrick gets a bit too voyeuristic with his <laughs> visuals. Yes. So what you're so for what I'm hearing right now is that I shouldn't watch the movie. Oh, That's no, you should. <laughs> I mean, I know you're you're saying you're telling me that, but <laughs> the descriptions you're giving me are telling like are telling me that I'm like, uh, you know, the book was probably the the better experience. Yeah, but Malcolm McDowell, you cannot miss his performance. It's literally okay. one of my favorite oh, movies. Please. I'm not gonna tell somebody not to watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna oh. watch it. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll report back on the next episode <laughs> on if I should have watched it or not, based on when I, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like because it's one of my favorite movies, and I tell people that I get all nervous when they watch it because I'm like, are they gonna judge me now? <laughs> like, <laughs> why do they think I like it? I don't know. It's okay. Something about it. It's uh. Emily judges me every time I tell her Cloud Atlas is my favorite movie. So. <laughs> oh, I so. watched that. That was so awesome. Cloud Atlas is amazing. I know. 
Oh my god, Jim Broadbent. So the good. whole thing, like the whole thing, was fantastic. It was like humor, serious, and cloned Koreans. What? Yes. What else do you want? <laughs> well, like, what just else? as long as Tom Hanks is not trying to do a Southern accent, I'm fine. <laughs> or any other type of accent. I thought Tam- like, Tom Hanks did fantastic in, in the, and Halle Berry too. I love Halle. And then oh yeah, I the thought- performances are good. Just Tom Hanks as. A purveyor of accents is not the best. <laughs> when he was trying to do the Cockney accent, I was like, "Oh God, stop! Just stop!" I haven't, I haven't seen Cloud Atlas yet, so I recommend it. I recommend it. Yeah, it's a very visual piece. Like you won't really get what's going on until halfway through, but it's just fun for a lot of the visuals early on. And then it's when true. it sort of clicks, then it's like, oh, it's all connected. Awesome. Like I, you spend the first hour of Cloud Atlas wondering what's going on, and then you spend the the last everything after that, like figuring it out. Like, oh yeah, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. <laughs> okay. But too, too much, too much, too much Cloud Atlas talk. Yeah, <laughs> Emily uh, wouldn't approve. Emily would not approve. Oh goodness, she's gonna be like, she's gonna be like, you spoiled it. I'm like, I did not spoil it. No. That was no, there was no plot points in there. <laughs> no plot points that you don't know in the first 10 minutes of the movie anyways. Maybe. <laughs> if you knew what everything meant, you would have understood it. Anyways. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> lol, lol, Emily. Uh, so, Clockwork Orange, what What other, oh, what are, what are thoughts on Dim? I, people, people talk about Dim a lot in the, I was <laughs> reading in the comments section of Goodreads, and I was, I was listening to some Clockwork Orange reviews just to get like, more people's opinions in my head. And so, yeah, what are your thoughts on Dim? Oh, Dim. <laughs> the best fitted name ever. <laughs> it was about the only time that I really felt sorry for Alex was when he's like, the police are coming. He's like, and you know what? You're going to be here when they get here. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, that's that's really, that's stone cold, man. <laughs> yeah, well, he's been a jerk to him. True. I, I'm not <laughs> I am not gonna disagree with that. But in the fact that I felt like maybe the punishment didn't necessarily fit the crime. Not between the crime of what he actually committed, which it does. Someone needs to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did to Dem previously and what Dem did to him felt a little eh, maybe a little bit harsh. What I think is interesting about Dim is that he went from being a teenager that was into brutality to being on the other side of the law and being a police officer that could legally brutalize mm-hmm. others. Yeah. <laughs> He's just doing it legally now. Yeah, yeah, that was like a, the and perfect job for him. Yeah. <laughs> ah, see, but but there's still evil on the good and the bad side. See, see, see? So yeah, like, I guess uh, part of the reason that made me sympathize with Alex is because I didn't feel like there was any moral compass that was like so right that I had to be rooting for. So I kind of just like picked an evil and went with it. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> Am I supposed to? Be, I'm like I'm not rooting for the government here. I'm not really rooting mm-hmm. for a dim right now. I'm not rooting for, like well, Alex seems nice to me, so <laughs> he's not raping me. So that's points for him. And this is a t- tactic I've heard about in 
on from other podcasts about writing is like if you want if you want your people you want the readers to sympathize with an evil character just have more evil characters for them to be up against <laughs> like like no matter what bad alex did he can only affect one person at a time but a government can could have a big sweeping effect on a mass amount of people very quickly I mean, not to say that what he did was right. It just he just didn't have the power to to do the damage that the government could do. And I do think it interesting that all of his like the second half of the book is just him repeating the stuff from the first half of the book, except it all coming to bite him in the ass. <laughs> like every single person he wronged from the beginning came around and took it out on him. And the problem was, yeah, the government had depowered him. He couldn't defend himself. I feel like you guys are being way more eloquent than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, because I'm always opposite. I'm always like, I'm rambling and sounding like a moron. Um, That's how I always feel. But I feel like, oh, oh, I got a question, I got a question. Then do you feel like this book was like anti-government, anti-establishment? I thought it was well, that's what I got out of it. That yeah. was anti-government more than anything else. Mm-hmm. As a lover of V for Vendetta, it just I don't know. It, it was it, it reminded me of shades of that. Shades of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any especially because you know British. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking of V for Vendetta too. Which is an awesome movie, regardless <laughs> of what Emily thinks. I had a, I had a conversation with that movie with her <laughs> recently too. Wow. She's all like. She's all like, Viva Vendetta isn't that good. I'm like, no, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan. I, I do like Viva Vendetta. And Cloud Atlas. Oh, Cloud <laughs> Atlas. So good, apparently. <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, what uh, what other topics do we want to talk about with this? Like, oh, well, do we want to talk about how it could have been better? Like, do you think, like, do you think the effect of a evil narrator in this evil world was actually the because you said it wasn't a cop-out which i agree it wasn't a Mm cop-out so this was the way to go right like we agree or was this or should it been a likable narrator oh well that's the thing he is likable oh or or a good uh, morally (laughs) um like okay let's say let's say if he's like every time he did something evil he's like well i'm only doing this to pay to buy food for my uh, starving family like no. and that like that was like a thought like after every time he committed oh, wow. a crime would that would that have made this would that have changed anything uh, i don't feel like it would because i think no the types of crimes that he committed right like if he just stole from people because he needed to feed his starving family then that's one thing but he doesn't need to rape and kill people to feed his starving family yeah, and he's not feeding his starving family. And that too. Yeah. Well, that's true. This is hypothetical land. Welcome, population yeah. Ed. No, I I do think that I, I know I said you know don't use his youth as an excuse, but the youthful hedonism is definitely a part of this. That you sort of feel like he's doing all this as anti-establishment as well as just he's an asshole. I feel like if he was likable, then you'd know he had some kind of good in him, and then he could be legit rehabilitated. The fact that he was just straight up just ridiculously awful, and 
and, and really didn't recognize the fact that he was like that, like all of this horrible stuff, all this raping and pillaging is bad. I think that's what makes everything that happens to him with the Ludovico that much more jarring. And then you do, you find yourself like, oh, this guy's an asshole, can't stand him, but oh, they took his ability to actually make a choice based on good and bad. They're just, I'm like, then that's a little more unsettling to me. And then you know the government is super bad as opposed to like, oh, you know, they could have just put him in jail and had a therapist talk to him and then he'd be okay. <laughs> Which is not an exciting story. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> and you know, all of all of his examples for how to do good sucked. <laughs> like his parents sucked. His parole officer was overworked. Uh, the government sucked, and like all of the things that were telling him how to do good, he just saw that as pat answers. Like you know, right. insincere. Yes. Like, oh, there's this hot chick with big boobs, and I want to have, and I want to rape her. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me kiss your feet. Really? <laughs> That's very weird. That's <laughs> really weird. True. <laughs> okay. <laughs> almost, almost biblical with the washing of feet. Almost, almost. That's what that's what I thought the grab was for, but I don't know if it worked. Um, did any of you read or listen to this book? with classical music at all when they were experiencing it? No. No. no I mean, I, just described. I knew what, what songs he was talking about. Well, yeah. the audiobook I listened to, which was which was very good, um, had, had some of the classical pieces woven into the into the auto, audiobook, so it would play in the background as the audiobook was going on. It was awesome, for the record. Cool. So. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I love how so Alex like, is a vinyl hipster. <laughs> oh yes, he's such a hipster. But they're they're in the movie. It's like these little cassettes. I know <laughs> that that like glow. Yeah, that was. That was they're like they're like mini like micro mini cassettes, like from um dictation machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the finest of. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So what was what was his obsession with fashion and chai tea? Anyone want to well, expand upon that? Well, number one, chai is the Russian word for tea. So by saying chai tea, you're saying tea tea. Just saying. <laughs> oh, because I was going to say, I thought that the, the sort of chai tea phenomenon was a fairly recent thing. And so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they drink chai? No, chai. I, no, I thought it was, I thought they were like uh, ahead of the times. They're like, whoa, no, they, he no. called that one. Class. No, chai, no, chai has always and forever been the Russian word for tea. <laughs> okay. I was, una- I was unaware of that. There you go. So he was a British person with his tea. Yes, with a lots of milk. Milky, milky chai. Milky chai. Hey, you know, you know, milk and Earl Grey is a good combination. BT dubs. <laughs> BT dubs. But I love. I also love iced chais. So, like, no, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I hear that Earl Grey mixed with. The um Samoa, like the Girl Scout cookie Samoa coffee creamer is the bomb. <laughs> the bomb.com? <laughs> yes, the bomb.com. I hear it's amazeballs. Well. <laughs> Very fetch. There you go. I have never brought myself to drink milky tea. I really? Just can't. I mean, it's not scary. 
I actually like my chai with some milk in it, but I know chai is good with milk. It really is. Have you ever had Vietnamese iced tea? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good time. (laughs) (laughs) It's beverage cast, everybody. Uh, I mean, beverage is a good. I love beverages. If someone wants to show up with bubble tea at my house at any time. I would take that bubble tea. My favorites are honeydew, but I'll take whatever you got. I, I'm a fan of the pineapple bubble tea. That's my that's my jam. That's your jam. Pineapple jam is your jam. Yeah, pineapple boba. I once I once saw someone tweet like, uh, "Grape jelly is my jam," and I was all like, "That is a brilliant tweet. That's like a brilliant tweet." I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, but well, fashion. I don't know. I get. Yeah, fashion. I don't. I, he kept talking. He kept talking about things in the, being in the heights of fashion. Like, oh, is the height of fashion? Well, he's young. Well, I would say. Well, he's like a poor young kid. So that's just like, oh, well, then I'm gonna act like something I'm not by always being dressing. dressing oh, okay. Yeah, and you have to like wear the correct labels and. If you wear yeah. something from Walmart, then you're not only exactly. poor, but you're poor and not trying. Yeah. And that's <laughs> yeah. So if you're not wearing Abercrombie, <laughs> you're poor and you're not trying. <laughs> Try harder. Yes. I, I had fun thinking about Alex as a hipster metro. <laughs> yes, I, mean, that's, I can see that. Yeah, he is. He is. He's like... I see him in the subways of Chicago. That's that's my downtown in my head. So. <laughs> I love how it, the height of fashion has these huge, huge cod pieces. <laughs> like seriously, cod pieces, <laughs> or that that are like masks for your junk. Because <laughs> there's what there's like. Different, like, what, like someone had to let a leaf, or I don't know. They were like different. I'm like, really? But then there's also cravats. What? Really? <laughs> it's like they're Victorian yet Shakespearean actors. <laughs> but yes. In the future. <laughs> hey, you know, fashion repeats itself, and maybe, maybe that will be a trend again. Yeah. You never know. You never know. That's not as bad as the return of the 80s, which is happening all around us, and it must be stopped. As long as well, you bring back rat tails. Okay. <laughs> I've seen, oh, like the hair, the hair rat tails. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, those are the. the I, I I hate to inform you, but I've seen several of those. Oh. But when they look I... okay. They look okay to me. I mean, I I enjoy it. <laughs> When I saw my sister-in-law come out with the leggings and the skirt and the neon earring hoops, then I was like, oh, no, no, I had Barbies dressed as you. Well, <laughs> well but there's no acid wash yet. No, So thankfully. that's great. So as and long the, as you keep the acid wash jeans away, we're fine. And the jeans are still at a decent <laughs> level. They're not too high, not too low. Lowe's, because Lowe's just so right. Nine late nineties. 
So late 90s. So late 90s. So Lenny Kravitz. Um, (laughs) Any closing thoughts on the book? Like, well, we don't have to do the uh, thing about the movie because I don't think we can do it better than the way it was. No. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you have be Alex? Um, Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want do you want to see a remake of this? <laughs> no. Do you want no. to see No. I'm so over remakes, it's not even funny, so no, just leave it. It's so funny too because if you see Malcolm McDowell on what is the show he's on? Um, Franklin and Bash. <laughs> He's a complete okay. idiot. And so then you think about how he, at one point in time, did really great work. I know. <laughs> the thing about Malcolm McDowell is he will not say no to a role. Getting like, paid. Literally. He's he got will bills pay. to pay. <laughs> he will cash any paycheck. He's got bills to pay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's probably paying for, like, his stuff, his fa- his wife's stuff, his kids' stuff, their kids' stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a like you have to be a working actor to be a working actor bt dubs but BT he's dubs. got he's got phineas and ferb money rolling in it's oh yeah that's so much money so much <laughs> hey it's it's a hot property rolling is with it? that voice actor coin i don't know is that I, is I that i like it i like phineas and ferb keeps me watching the disney channel and I'm a grown-ass I, woman. I, I've always <laughs> seen... Uh, in Epcot, they had the Phineas and Ferb uh, spy adventure thing. It's so fun! It is really fun. Did you do the Did you do the Japan one? Because that was my favorite. Yes! Totally did the Japan one. That's how I found the hidden um, outlet. So now I know where to charge my phone. Bowl. And then, I and love then... how the... <laughs> I, I found a place to charge my phone, and that's why it was. Just no, funny. no. The best place to charge your phone is behind the bench in the Moroccan Museum. BT well, yeah, that's does. awesome because it's air conditioned, which is fantastic. But if it's nice out, um, outside there's a bench in the back. I'm not. Minute, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell anybody where it is. That's my secret charging spot. But, but there's also there's a, there's an outlet that isn't so secret. Right outside the China waiting room to go to the movie for China. Oh. <laughs> that one's not so secret. The the cool thing about the Japan one is that they tried to like, I guess they painted over it so that it matches the column that it's on. Yeah, you can see it. And it totally works. Oh. <laughs> that's great. But that's how I found it. We were doing the Phineas and Ferb thing, and we were trying to find this stupid, I don't, I, uh, I don't know something. And I'm like, I turn my head, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. I know what that is. I don't know. Just you were freaking out over an outlet. Good job. I was totally Good freaking job. out about an outlet because, you know. They're- it's hard to find outlets in Disney. It really is. It's a, it is a skill and a challenge. <laughs> Hashtag hidden, truth. Instead of hidden Mickey's. Hidden it's hidden outlets. outlets. Hidden outlets are the real challenge. There are freaking Mickey's everywhere. You don't need to be looking. <laughs> They're just there. Hidden outlets, on the other hand, you're like, whoa, I know this cool spot. I know this good spot. <laughs> True story. Um, And yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, I did not go. In, I was going to go into a Disney story, but I'm not doing that. So thank you very much, Angela. For coming on the show, I hope I hope you enjoyed your experience and people check out your show. I was having give a one, lot of fun. Want to give one more plug for it? Yes, yes. Uh, the Red Dwarf Intro Cast Woo! is one podcast. Whoa! And 
through the pages of Sherlock Holmes, which is more infrequently updated, but, you know, we're pretty chill there. You're pretty chill. I mean, that's the way to do it. You're like cicadas or something. Yeah. You come around when you come around. <laughs> True story. And then, um, yeah, I guess we'll... we'll, we'll I. I was hoping to do a Catching Fire show, but I, I haven't talked to Tiffany or Gabby about that yet, so we'll we'll discuss after the show about that. But okay. we will be back in January for Love Minus Eighty. And and yeah, hopefully hopefully people enjoy that book too. It was it do was you want to Nick. uh have people so they can find us online if they want? Well you, well, I thought I was gonna throw them in the intro. But yeah, we oh, could okay. we could do that. You could do that here. Just do it here. Just do it. You'll know. <laughs> Well, I I don't know where to find our guest online. I, I mean, Twitter or that kind of thing. If people can reach out to you on social media, so if you could tell is us it, if you're on social media where people can find you. Yeah, is it is it at Angie Cakes eighty three? Oh, oh yes, Angel Cakes eighty three. Oh, Angel sorry. Cakes. I didn't realize you were talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like la di da di da. But but yes, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash angelcakes83. And uh, we have Facebook groups for uh, the Red Dwarf Introcast and through the pages of Sherlock Holmes. Just just search for those. And those are really the best ways to get in touch with us. We have emails. I don't remember them. <laughs> True story. I'm bad at remembering them. If, if you have a spare moment, fellow listener... I would love, 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 love for you to throw us a review on iTunes. We are still reviewless, which is which is cool because I see that we're being downloaded. But it would be cool if we had, like, a review. I mean, wouldn't it be cool? It would be really cool. Unless, unless it's scathing. And if it's scathing, you could keep, you could keep your one-star review to yourself, I guess. Or if you would like to email us at nimbusmagnifica at gmail.com and tell us how we can improve our show so we can yes. raise our our reputation. Rating. Uh, yeah, exactly. If, 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 you, if you want to write us a one-star review, tell us how we can improve and give us a chance to correct ourselves before you write us that one-star review. Please? Thanks. But... <laughs> But anyone could any anyone could write us a review. Feel free. Um, our Twitter is at Nimbus Magnifica. Our email is nimbusmagnifica at gmail.com. I'm at Edward Giordano. She's at Tiff Langston. She's at Bree Starsign. And that's that is it for today. So thank you all for joining us. And talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I love Psych. It's one of those shows though that I can like watch while I'm doing something else, right? Yes. Folding laundry or doing dishes or something. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. But I've been since I found out about the pineapple thing, I like really pay attention to see if I can find the pineapple.
Wait, the pineapple thing? There's a pineapple in every single episode. <laughs> there's a pineapple or a reference to a pineapple in every single episode. Really? So not like a re- yeah, so if there's not like a pineapple like hidden on a counter or something, they'll be like, oh, we ordered a pineapple pizza or here's a pineapple smoothie. There's I had all- no idea. Yeah, there's a reference to pineapple, whether visual or... Or um, in the in the lines in every single episode of Psych. That's crazy. It's Oddly weird. Specific, but... <laughs> it is really weird. And I'm like, that's my. I'm like, oh my god. And I've missed some of the pineapples. So stupid. But the show consistently makes it makes me laugh. And um, it's watching them all in a row, binge watching them, watching Sean get chubbier. <laughs> while while Gus gets hotter, it's weird. It's a weird thing going. He's becoming Gus is getting way more fit as the series go on, and Sean is getting. Well, do you know why though? Like because, um, sort of. I think what halfway through, like maybe up season three or four, mm-hmm. um, he got divorced from his wife, mm-hmm. and right after that happened, you can Aww. start to shape up. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I was just thinking that sort of like watching Angel, watching David Boreanaz giving chubbier and Alexis Denisov just getting hotter. (laughs) 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 